Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. All right, it's on. Uh, the kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing. I have a history and a background, and from my history and background, I always pray before I start speaking, because it's not my word, it's his. So I thank you, Father, for just being faithful, for always watching over your word to perform it. And so here I am asking you just to do as you promised. I pray in the name that is above every name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Yeshua the Messiah is the Adon to the glory of God the Father. The kingdom of God is advancing. I'm going to start out reading Matthew chapter 11, 1 through 15. And then I'm just going to see where the spirit goes. This is Matthew 1 through 6. When Yeshua had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their towns. Now when John heard in prison about the works of Messiah, he sent word through his disciples and said to Yeshua, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Yeshua replied, Go, report to Yohanan what you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. Those that are hazarat or, or leprosy are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor of good, good news proclaimed to them. Blessed is the one who is not led to stumble because of me. Let's keep reading. 7 to 10. Now as they were leaving, Yeshua began to talk to the crowd concerning Yohanan. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No. So what did you go out to see? A man dressed in finery? Look, those who wear finery or nice clothes are in the palaces of kings. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, even more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before you who will prepare your way before you. Verses 11 to 15. Amen, I tell you, among those born of women, none has arisen greater than John the Immerser or Yohanan the Immerser, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For the days of Yohanan the Immerser until now, the kingdom of heaven is treated with violence and the violent grasp hold of it. For all the prophets in the Torah prophesied until the time of Yohanan. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Eliyahu, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I feel led in my spirit before we move forward to go back. Because there was a good question that he kept asking over and over to his Talmudim, for those people who are listening to him. It was, who did you go out to see? Over the last month or so, the Holy Spirit has been specifically moving 
the messages in this congregation to one way. He's been trying to prepare his people to move out from a current pattern, a current way of doing things, a current way of living. And I believe that this is a picture of what was happening with Israel at that day. They had the great schools of the rabbis. They had different sects of Judaism. They had Roman occupation. and There was all different trains of thoughts going on, just like today. If you're in the Messianic Jewish world, you don't have many nice things to say about the Hebraic Roots Movement. Just like they would say with the Sadducees dealing with certain schools of the Pharisees. Or maybe just Hillel versus Shammai. But who did they go out to hear? I'm gonna, I, I, I want you to consider something. What has the Holy Spirit been speaking the last month or so? Through different messages. And have you had ears to hear? I'm going to read it again. Before I go forward. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No. So what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothing? Look. Those who wear fine clothing... They're in king's palaces. Well, he wasn't dressed like everyone else. What drew them out in the wilderness? What caused them to draw away from what they were doing? This is something we need to consider as we move forward. I'm going to actually put slide five up so I can read Micah, verses 2, verse 12 to 13. All right. I will surely gather Yaakov of all of you. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock with his pasture. They will be a noisy with people. One breaking through will go up before them. They will pass through. They will break through and pass through the gate and go out by it. The king will pass through before them. Adonai at their head. And then we're going to go to Genesis chapter 38 verses 27 to 30. Now when it was time for her to give birth, behold, there were twins in her womb. While she was giving birth, one stuck out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it to his hand saying, this one came out first. But as he was pulling his hand back in, behold, his brother came out. So she said, How have you broken through? The breach is because of you. And he named him Perez. And after his brother, of whose hand was a scarlet thread, came out. And he named, and I guess he named him Zerah. What does this have to do with anything? I asked you a question. When you go where you go. How do people see you? All the people who know you, do they know you or do they know the one who sent you? We've been getting 
pressed upon by the Spirit of God to stop the whispering about one another in the shul. Stop boasting. It's never a day I go, I don't come where we have to have a good snide remark about Christianity and a good back elbow to the Hebraic roots movement as if we're better than anybody else. Why am I saying this? Because most of us in this room are very much unaware of what the Holy Spirit is looking to do with this congregation. How many of you are aware that there's something in between this shul and each of us and the will of God? You see, there was something keeping those babies in the womb and one broke forth and then the other was able to come out. What was Yohanan's ministry about? What did he come preaching? Have you heard the messages? Are we still going business as usual? When you read the scriptures, do the things you see happening in your life happen in your life? Ask yourself, why not? Do you realize in the days of Messiah, in the days of Yochanan, when he was preaching his messages, the people didn't think they needed to submit to it. Oh, those who were broken, repented. But those who thought they were okay, who had a form, They didn't recognize Adonai was in their midst. You can have all the trappings. It could be Christian. It can be Jewish. But is God in the midst of what you're doing? Is the power of God evident? Is the person of God evident? Do people come to you that want to know your God? What does that have to do with this? Well, John came out pointing at somebody just like that little hand did. That hand came pointing out. And one came out. I'm going to keep reading, but I want you to understand something. There is something in between us and the will of God. And I've known about it for months. Because I saw it. Could you imagine we have a shovel meeting? And we're worshiping with all our hearts. But did the spirit fall? It's really quiet in here. Most people were enjoying the festivities because it was beautiful worship. It was true worship. But did he come? Why not? In that day, I was sitting in the back of the room. People were worshiping God. They were lifting their hands up. And I was weeping and groaning in my spirit. Not for the festivities. Not for what we were doing. I wanted to see like when the temple spirit came down with Shalomo and people were prostrate before a holy God. Like in the book of Acts, when he came down and people were humbled and broken and they went out and preached. No, just like in the days that Yochanan preached, the people are satisfied. And we haven't realized, so are we. 
Because it'll happen if we pursue God. Do you know that? Do you know what happens when somebody's life is surrendered to God? Who did you go out in the wilderness to see? Did you see a man? Was he surrendered to God? Why was he so weird? Why didn't he fit in? Whose words did he have? Did he have the words of this person upon this person upon this person? And when he opened his mouth, did the word that God put in it come out? I'm I'm saying this to you because we can have a program, but if we don't have a submitted body, why would God bless it? When the temple was cleansed, when they found the Torah scroll and they rent their garments and they went in and they got rid of everything and they cleansed everything out, you realize when people submit to God, he falls fire on sacrifices? Yochanan came as a witness. And my mouth is drying out severely. All right. Let me read a quick commentary on Micah so I can get to the main gist of this. Because this isn't a drosh. This is, this is what he gave me. Because I'm going to set before you the opportunity to see God's hand made Everything. Exactly like you read in a book. It's right at our gates. It's right at our gates. Israel. This is Dr. Now, it's either Pokaki or Pokax. I am very terrible at pronouncing names, so let me just slide through this as quickly as possible. But I want you to really pay attention to what he has to say, because he had a lot of insight. In slide seven. Israel would be gathered together and shut up as a sheepfold. The ancient Jewish rabbis, uh, Radak um, and Abravanel, declared that the haparetz, or the breaker, was Eliyahu. And their king, the branch, is the son of David. And then he goes ahead and says, Observe what our Savior himself has taught us, that Yochanan the, the Baptist was Eliyahu, which was to come. Through the preaching of Yochanan, the immerser, the wall was broken down. And the Lord, the son of David, was going before them, leading them out. We have an ambition to want to go out. But we're not going to go out unless we're broken by the breaker. Why are we, why are there's no fear to stop speaking about all these other people in here? Why is he using that Christian more than you that you keep boasting against? Why won't you understand what God is looking for? Humility. He's looking for someone who would obey his word. He said, well, they're not obeying. But I thought, are you? The message I have is to try to get you to understand that the Holy Spirit's not going to fall on a group who's fighting and dividing and eating and devouring each other. The Holy Spirit is going, the Ruach is going to move when the people submit themselves to God. Look at Yochanan. Who is he submitted to? 
oh, this isn't popular because we think we've got it. I, I thought it's funny. People say, man, you got something here. You feel the spirit. I say, you know why? Because I've been brought to the dust and ashes of who I thought I was. It's all rubbish. Can you stand that? Are you willing to have God come to you and tell you, lay yourself over here and all what you perceive, all the things and you look and you, and you go over here and speak to somebody and you go and you look down at this person. All of your perspectives, will you lay it down? Matter of fact, take all of your ministries and submit them before me. What if I say I don't want you to do it? You see, that's the difference. What I'm talking about is a congregation who's who yield anything to do what God says. Anything. It couldn't have been easy for God to tell a man to lay on your side for three months. Then get up and lay on the other side. I'm bringing these things to you because I want you to see that's what it means. Is that what it means to you? Or you got certain do's and don'ts. I won't do that. How do you spend your time? The O'Connor didn't have time to fraternize. He was given a commission. So do we have one. So this message is really meant to cause a congregation to see what's blocking. What's blocking is us. What's blocking is a lack of willingness to humble ourselves. I could go through all these lists and read all these scriptures, and there's lots of them. There's a whole bunch of scriptures talking about what's happening right in here. See, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about what the Holy Spirit had to do to me to let me cry out for months and months and months, and he wouldn't answer me because he couldn't, because he needed to break. Through the hardness. The lack of willingness to actually believe God is God. And our own personal perspective and our own personal viewpoint is all to be brought and laid at his feet. Everything we believe, there's nothing sacred. Your wife and your husband relationship, every practice you have brought before that most high and submit it. Submitted everything to him. This is what God says. This is the will of God. Slide eight. The one who opens the breach is Eliyahu. And their king is the, the scion or the shoot of, or branch of David. This is Radak. According to this interpretation, when Yeshua seems to have known, Eliyahu was first to open the breach. And he would be followed by those who broke through to their with their king, the Messiah. According to Yeshua, the Eliyahu had already come. And those men who have the courage of decision now take the kingdom by force. And this is what I got out of it. It says, take the kingdom by force or advance the kingdom forcefully, intentionally. How can you advance the kingdom without going out to preach? It sounds like you're telling us not to go out to preach. I'm telling you, don't go out to preach in the condition you're in. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit likes to move through submitted vessels. 
I'm telling you that if you think you're better than anyone in here, you need to be the first one on your face. There's none good. No, not one. What would happen if you seek the breaker? What if you happen if you sought God with all of your heart? I've read in the word where he said you'd find him. But when you find him, guess whose ways are going to be stopped? Guess whose pattern and ways and minds and ways of thinking are going to get brought to subjection? He likes to humble his people so they can become useful. He likes to anyone I boast against, he'll have them teach me so that I can become silent. I was boasting against the Baptist, and so he got a Baptist preacher to bring me to my knees and cry out. So I would shut up. You need to think about the things you say. You know, when we bring in, we, when people come in, they're supposed to get transformed by the power and the working of God's spirit. But we need to be a people who reflect God's glory. And it can't happen if there's not a forceful, intentional, intense intimacy with God. That's the only way it works. That's my secret. My secret is I, by myself, I can do nothing. People don't fall on the ground and get saved. Do you know how many years I went without people getting saved? And I was a preacher. And there were much more. It was all, it was so put together and all that. Nothing. Until he moved me out of the way. Until he forced me to my knees. till I could come aware it's not happening. What we're doing in this society is looking at political. Yes, we need to vote. We're looking at this, all this society stuff. We're looking at everything, but how many of us are on our face day and night seeking Yeshua the Messiah? How many of us are intently seeking God and humbling ourselves and actually recognize the problem isn't this wicked world? It isn't. Are there different kind of believers in Africa and the Middle East? Have they got a different Holy Spirit in Korea? Is the Holy Spirit different in your conning? What is it? It's God's love. What we need to do, John was preaching a message to turn people's hearts back to God. So they would become tenderhearted with their brothers who are different. That they wouldn't want to railroad them because of their differences. And if they saw them different, they might walk with them. They would be terrified to speak with someone else. They would go humbly before him and say, brother, hey, brother, I want to talk to you about this. The power of God will make you love your enemy. Let me, let me give you a good example. There are some Jewish believers in a, in a communist country. Oh, matter of fact, this predates that. They're in a Nazi-infested country. And they were, even though they were Christians, they were Jews. So when they had to separate everybody to to put the Jews in their place, so to speak, they put them in a specific part of town where everybody knew who you was. Everybody. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. So this believer took it upon himself to go to Anti-Semitic people. 
spend time with them. He began to talk to them, and they would be like, how they hate Jews. And he would say, hey, you like that thing in your house? Oh, a Jewish person invented it. And he began to point out things like, hey, you know this and that. He began to love these people so much that they got broken. What's different than with him and with us? I found out there was a lot of difference. I found out that the love that God was supposed to be shed abroad in my heart was bound by my own way. Do you know that's why I didn't receive Yeshua? Because if somebody comes and points at your way, you're going to rebel against it. And you can't receive Yeshua without going through the breaker first. So if you don't receive the baptism of John, if you don't get humbled and repent by John, how are you going to receive? You weren't prepared to receive Messiah. And John was just a shadow picture of the Ruach HaKodesh or the spirit because the Holy Spirit will break. This is the one who wants to come through into this congregation. But we got too much pride. This isn't popular, is it? But it's face up to the facts. We have full of pride. And I'll tell you what. And this is staggering. I'm the chieftain. Whoa, the Holy Spirit showed me. I was the chief. Proud. Full of excess. Full of looking down. Well, I'm more, I, I got this more lined up. They're off on here. And not having his heart. Imagine if, if you were a Jew in the time of the Nazis. You're, the Holy Spirit is breaking people. To the point where his son is getting drove around by the officer. They're protecting his kids. They're, why? Because he's not relying on his own self. He's not relying on his own strength. How are we going to go out and lead them if we're not sent out by the power of God? If this congregation would humble themselves and repent and seek his face, God would show up. But you might have to change something. We might have to say, well, you know, I normally do this today, but not today. This is what happens. I've never seen any revival where the people didn't humble themselves. When they saw that they, not their person over there, not the one who isn't doing this thing halakhically like you think, when they saw themselves in the presence of a holy God. If Job was the most righteous goim who ever lived oh, at the time of the earth, and Job was committed by God, and he was like, there's no man on earth like him. There had to be some Jews on the earth, maybe. I want you to think of this. But yet, in the end, when he got into the finally seen God, I hate myself. Oh, I abhor myself. Look at me. It's what Yeshua taught. Because Yeshua was trying to take people from being way over here to being moved over here so they could become effective witnesses. Because Israel was not called to be a special people unto themselves. They were called to be a holy people who were going to lead the nations that were, that were um, in, a, in, a, in a Babylonian separation. They got sent all around the world. Israel was set apart to make the seed of come out and they were supposed to be a set apart People to bring the nations back. But Israel fell into the same pattern. And so what was the same punishment? The nations started out looking one way, sent out, looked a whole bunch. Israel started out looking one way, sent out all over the world, right? Come back and there's, there's 
white Jews, there's Asian Jews, there's black Jews, African Jews, there's Latin Jews, there's Hispanic Jews, there's Jews from all over the world. But the key is God's looking for a humble people. This is why he can use people who don't know lots of things. This is the secret of why he can use those people when I was crying out against them. Why are you using these people who do everything wrong? And then he finally took me to the scripture when there was the man who was standing and thanking God he wasn't like him, like these other sinners. He finally took me to that place and he said, and this one man who had nothing to commend himself to God, he just cast himself upon the mercy of God and said, have mercy. to him. I'm a sinner. And Yeshua said that, that one is more justified than the one who had all, who was the Zadik? Because he was proud. You see, that's the secret why Abba can use people who have all kinds of things wrong. And that would mean all of us. Because we have all kinds of things wrong. Have you considered that? Have you considered that you're proud against somebody in your life? Any person. Just one. This man wasn't even proud against the Nazis. Even He didn't agree with it. He, was, he could have been proud against those anti-Semites. But what was in his heart? The gospel. He wanted people to know the God of Israel. And it cost him. It cost him putting himself out there for people who are contrary to the things of God. How is your wife going to know the God of Israel if you behave that way? How is your children going to know what God is like if you're not like God. If he says be imitators of God, we're going, to have to, we're going to have to come to the end of something. The Western church is full of self. The Messiah emptied himself. Oh, I'm just going all off the message here. See, this is preparing the way. This is the ministry of Yochanan. Did you know that? See, I was sitting there and I was like, well, I got to go through all this stuff. And he was like, no, no, no. I want you actually to say the things he would say. I want you actually to prepare the way. I want you actually for, for them to rend their hearts and not their garments. Not because of what I say. Because what the Holy One says. This is a holy God. There once was a man who was, this, who was a mighty prayer warrior called Praying High. At one time, he was praying, he was burdened because he knew there was a man who was cheating on his wife. And he was a brother and he was burdened. And he kept getting down to pray and he was praying, oh God, and start dealing with him. My God, he's in wickedness and he's doing this. And every time he began to pray, the Holy Spirit, somebody would tap him on his shoulder and go, shh, stop. Don't touch my anointing. You're like, wait a minute, you're telling me that God told him that it was okay? That's not what I'm saying. Don't you want to know why God uses people mightily? Remember how much Moshe, when they did something wrong, how he fell on his face? Remember all his long tirades about their sin? No, you mostly hear his tears in his intercessor. He tried to do it again, and an angel stopped him and said, Stop doing that. And when he stopped doing that and began to cry out and pray for that man, That man was 
broke. He got broken by the breaker. The Holy Spirit came in and broke him. And he repented. And stopped committing adultery. That didn't mean no one didn't go to him and tell him, but he was stout against it. So he wasn't going to sit around and boast against the nature of that man when he himself, if, if the, the scripture says, if it had not been for Adonai, you could be, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a humbling thought. There's no room for growth in the kingdom if we're boasting in our flesh. It's just not going to happen. What slide number is that? I cannot read it. Can anyone read it? Could you go to slide number 10? According, according to Lindsay, linguistically, a much better translation would be from the days of your coming to your mercer until now. The kingdom of heaven breaks forth and everyone breaks forth with it. In keeping more closely with Matthew's version, the verse is best translated from the days of your coming to your mercer until now. The kingdom of heaven breaks forth and those breaking forth are pursuing or seeking it. Hmm. How did John preach? A baptism of repentance for sin. So when it says that people were pursuing it, the people became humbled under his ministry and their hearts became tender and the ground was tilled. They began to become tender hearted with each other. They begin to be willing to speak to their brothers about transgression, but not speak about them with other people. They, they begin to recognize the sovereignty of God and that their need for him in their ministry. He doesn't need any of the things we have. He can use those things. The Internet can be used. The slides can be used. But the power is not in the slides. The power is not in man's techniques. The power is in Adonai. But I don't think we want to believe it. I really don't. What I'm going to do right now is ask could you go to slide 18 and while he's getting there I'm going to Talk. I'm going to skip a whole part. I've already talked about John. But the real question is this. He's not there yet. Slide 18. You can't do it? Well, I'm going to read the title of it. It's called, What is Between You and the Will of God? This is for those who want to be used of the kingdom. This is for those who want their ministry to go off the ground and have power behind it. But this is for someone who first has to come to the end of themselves. First recognize, as mighty as a preacher you can be, if less he puts his power on it, what will it profit? In 1 Timothy 1, 3-7, to 
This is what he says. As I urged you when I was leaving from Macedonia, stay in Ephesus to direct certain people not to pass on different instructions or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These give rise to useless speculations rather than God's training, which is in faithfulness. Now, the goal of the command is love from a pure heart and a clear conscience. And a genuine faith. Some have missed the mark, have turned away to fruitless discussion, discussions, wanting to be teachers of Torah, even though they do not understand what they keep saying or what they so dogmatically assert. I'm gonna I'm gonna read First Timothy number one, eight to eleven. But we know that the Torah is good if one uses it legitimately, knowing that the Torah is not given for exotic, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and for the sinful, for the unholy and the worldly, for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers, the sexually immoral, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for anything else that opposes sound teaching in keeping with what was entrusted to me, the glorious good news of the blessed God. Wow. Timothy obviously was being trained to be a leader. But the same problems that existed then exist today. There's a tendency for people to bring in lots of side issues. Issues that aren't actually profitable. What jumped out to me is that they give you rise to useless speculations rather than God's training, which is in faithfulness. And when I was studying this, it, it smote my heart. It made me realize how many times I get into these long, drawn-out discussions and arguments over things. But the very thing that grips the first century assembly, we're not gripped by. Do you know that there's love in God? Do you know the preaching of the gospel was an act of love towards mankind? Do you know the preaching of John to turn the hearts back so their hearts would become tender, that the love of God would dwell in them richly? But you won't grow biblically until you grow soundly in this. These things not you have to done. Could you imagine your Jewish and, and all these people come in, and then you come around with your checklist seeing how they're so unkosher. It needs to stop. Because that's not kosher. How are you going to get led by the power of God until you first learn how to love those where they are? And lead them to where they need to be. But how can you lead if you're not led? If you refuse to meet with the Holy One. If your heart, if those arguments are constantly stirring up within you, they're always flying out of you, go before him with that wretched thing. That's what I had to do. Oh, it was wretched. It was terrible. See, this heart has so many judgments on it. I had some of my own thoughts about everything. But Yeshua says he didn't have his own word. Yochanan didn't have his own word. Why do we have our own words? 
Why can't we see what he's looking for? Humility. This isn't a license. I'm not talking about a a libertarian congregation where wickedness is abounding and unrighteousness. I'm talking about holiness unto Adonai. But it begins with humility. Why are we looking down on other ministries and not on our face crying for them? Why are we not getting involved in them? Oh, I'm trying to show you no ministry we have will bear fruit unless God is the one orchestrating it. This is what this is about. I can come with all kind of stuff, but I can't because he just took it all away from me and says, just talk to him like you're calling him. Tell them, how do you love me? You see, if what between you and the will of God, what is there? There's some barrier. He wants it to be moved out of the way and the spirit will come in and we can become effective witnesses by God's grace. We can become a hospitable assembly to people and not so quick to judge, not knowing someone's background. Don't know where they came from, but we got to get on there being on the wrong calendar. All of it has to stop. I'm telling you, I'm not afraid. I don't care what you think, to be honest with you. I don't. i got a commission to tell you what God wants. And he wants humility and submission. That's what he wants. He wants us to be a light to the people, but we won't burn until we first humble ourselves. Oh, don't you remember when you first believed how you burned for Yeshua? Don't you remember when you first burned for him? Nothing could stop it. Why isn't it like that? Why do you accept it? I, was, I, I accepted it as a minister. I accepted it when I got all this wisdom. But the burning went away. It's been restored because now I'm not seeking things, but I'm seeking him. Why can't we do it? I'm not saying, I'm saying, why can't we do it? Real revival is birthed in a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God and the life in Messiah, and it will not be quenched. It's intentional. It's de- like they say when you pray Jewish, when you pray um, in a Jewish style, it's an intense, you have to have everything in your mind set, you have to be completely zeroed in. Well, let me tell you something, unless your eyes are zeroed in on Messiah, it'll fizzle out. It's going to fizzle out. But I've learned the secret. And the secret is, I gave him my life. Back again. I took it away from him. Can anyone identify what I'm saying? Where you go, the people, everywhere you go, is it like when the apostles went everywhere? That wouldn't leave me alone. It wouldn't leave me alone until I stopped accepting it. It wouldn't leave me alone. Uh-oh. It's on the jacket. I'm hot, but I'm not that hot. <laughs> Put it back on. Yeah, I'm wired. Hopefully not to explode, but it could. Hey, to be honest with you, that's one of the kind of me, the breaking forth and the breaking through is like dynamite. It can break through and it's explosive. It's powerful, but it's powerfully in love. It will not be satisfied. What, 
imagine this. The Torah teaches us, like on Shabbat, if somebody breaks the Shabbat or to save a life, it's fine, right? Or you, if there's a commandment where it's right here, but a life is in danger, you can push this over to save. The greater commandment is to save life. Everyone in the earth is condemned outside of Yeshua. Do you really believe that? If you believe it, wouldn't your whole life be revolved around saving them the lost? What would hold you back? That. There's something in the way. Why are you accepting that you're not burning for the loss? Why are you accepting that Messiah is not all and he's not incapacitating you? And you're watching the games and you're playing with the sports and you're doing all these things. But are you crying out day and night? Are you seeking him? Are you willing to be a witness if you look like a madman or a fool? You're seeing a witness of it today. This is not a normal message. I was shaking. But I realized, he said, go tell them to repent. Put me first again. I tell you, if you, we put him first, if we look at the prayer meeting and, 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 we, and we look at everything we're doing and we bring it and humble ourselves back to God. I know my time is short. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip to James 4. It doesn't matter if they can't catch up to me. It doesn't make a difference. I've never done slides before. I'm a novice. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have the gift of the awesomeness of our brother David. He is awesome. He just like a ninja. He can move around. I'm just like an old preacher. Just need a Bible. That's just what I need. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. This is James chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. I'm on slide 24. If you can't make it, just listen to me. Where do quarrels and conflicts among you come from? Don't they come from this, namely your passions that battle within your body parts? You crave and have not. You murder and you envy, yet you cannot get it. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your passions. You adulteresses, he wrote this to believers. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that in vain the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit which is made, he made his well in us, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 7 to 17, therefore submit yourself to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. I know how many times people say resist the devil, resist the devil. You can never resist the devil if you don't submit to God. You can never see the power of God working in your life until you first submit to your parents. I don't care how they act. Submit. I'm not talking about somebody who's abusing you. Submit to God. Why don't we want to? We should have a prayer meeting and we should be crying out. We should be preparing our hearts to love the people who are going to be out there and they're going to be contrary to us. They're going to, some of us are going to loathe us and hate us. And if your flesh rises up in you, you won't be able to be used. You'll be like John Mark having to leave the field. Oh, I'm speaking this because this is the love of God. God says, if you submit to me, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. It's as simple as that. Do you know that's how revival starts? 
That's all it takes. Drawing near to God. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep, yet your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of Adonai, he will lift you up. Do not speak evil against one another, brethren. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the Torah and judges the Torah. But if you judge the Torah, you are not a doer of the Torah, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judges your neighbor? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go such and such and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. What is your life? But you are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will we will live and also do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, whoever knows the right thing to do and does it not, for him it is sin. So, I don't have time to finish this. But I do have enough time. Oh no, there's no next week for me. There's no next week for me. I'm going to read... Go to 28 and read verse 29 and I'm going to close. Because I want you to see something. I'm going to read 29 and Isaiah 66. This is called the unaware, the undiscerning, and the unrepentant. We have been, I know, we have been unaware with why God doesn't move. We just thought, oh, he just doesn't want to. That's not the case. That he's been wanting and waiting for us to humble ourselves. So he likes to use the circumstances that you cry out against to accomplish it. And those circumstances that he uses are to humble you so that you will stop speaking and start seeking. Listen to this, Matthew eleven sixteen to 17. But to what shall I compare this generation? It's like a children sitting in the marketplace who call to one another saying, we've played the flute for you, but you do not dance. We wailed, but you do not mourn. This is kind of like Yeshua's take on an Aesop's fable. And this is very telling. If you really understand, in the fable, Aesop was fit, he went to, he took out, and he went and pulled his little flute out, and I'm kind of butchering it a little bit, and he was playing the flute to try to get the fish to come, to come and hop in his boat. But because they didn't listen, he went and got a net and drug them on the, the sand, and they began to flop around, and he said, now they would dance. That's more cruel than this. This is Messiah saying, I've came preaching a good word to you, and you wouldn't listen to me. Me and John, because right after he talks about people not hearing him or John. And I came with a, a message of repentance, of humility. Humble yourself. And you did not mourn. This is the Messiah's way of saying, turn back to me. Turn 
to me with all your heart. Finally, in Isaiah 66, 1 through 6, Thus says Adonai, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is the house you should build for me? Where is the place of my rest? For my hand has made all these things, so all these things came to be, declares Adonai. But on this one will I look, one humble and on a contrite spirit who trembles at my word. So I will choose their punishment and bring on them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. See the, see the, see the, see the connection? When I spoke, they did not listen. But they did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. Hear the word of Adonai, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hated you, excluded you from my namesake, have said, Let Adonai be glorified, that we may see your joy. But they will be put to shame. A sound of uproar from a city, a sound from the temple, a sound of Adonai who fully repays his enemies. What a tragic and hard word, but it doesn't end there. Because he says, but this is the one I look on. And this is what I'm talking about. I had to repent everyone in my life I boasted against. Any denomination, anything, anything that the Holy Spirit brought to me, I had to humble myself and recognize that I was sitting in the seat that belonged to my king. And then I began to pursue. When I became humble, the Holy Spirit began to manifest in my life again. And now he's desiring a more greater humbling. We have to love our brothers. We need to be very careful with one another. We need to see the world lost and deceived. We are taught by our king to love our enemies. The Messiah laid himself down, and when those people who mocked and spat on him and did those things, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That is entirely foreign to most of the American way. But I'm not talking about the American way. I'm talking about your relationship with God. Humble yourself before the hand of the Lord. Humble yourself against your brothers and sisters. Let the leadership, let the people come together and say we're seeking God. Don't be afraid to say we need to fast. Well, they don't want to. Don't worry about it. Seek God and see what he says. Don't you want the lost to know him? Don't you want Jewish souls to come to Messiah? But how can they do it if we're boasting? How can God use us until we lay ourselves prostrate before him? Which is extremely Jewish. I know this standing prayer, but I'll take you to Chronicles and show you where they had the standing liturgical prayer. And right over there, they had someone outstretched at the same time when they were consecrating the temple and the spirit was coming back and they were turning back. You could see all the elements. They had the music. They had prostration. They had, they, 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 they had um, the liturgical prayers. Everything was involved. But it was all led by the spirit. It was all consumed as the God that they worshipped. So now, Father, this is the time when I pray.
Father, I pray that, uh, that you would speak to your people because they're not mine. They're just my brothers and sisters and I'm in the same boat they're in. Father, I like when I see you lead people. I love when I see you touch people. Oh God, touch us. The scripture says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The scripture talks about a remnant from Israel coming to faith. What made those Jewish believers in the first century so radical, so intense? They received an immersion, a baptism of love like Finney called it. Same thing. Be it unto us, Lord. Now, Father, I pray that you put your intentions in us to seek your face. To not let go. Be intense like Yaakov with the messenger he was wrestling with. Be intense and not stop seeking you and seeking you and seeking you. I pray this in the name of your son Yeshua. Amen. Search me.